Night Live, Live, Live. Yeah, yeah. Radio, this is your host, Tech, with co-host. NSC Game Boy, what it is, what it do. We also have live right now, uh, correspondent and videographer. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, we just oh, waiting for okay. you to say your name. Uh, this is Sensational One, Sin Blade, uh, correspondent for Under the Mat Radio. Cool. Welcome, everybody. Oh, we got to work on that. Yeah, we, we got to work on that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this title is called The Russian The Russian Bear Awakes. We'll have coming up at the top of the hour at 8 p.m. Uh, legend of the business, former Canadian heavyweight champion, former WWF champion, and legend in the sport, the Russian Bear, Ivan Koloff, will be joining us. Also coming up momentarily, we will have host of another great wrestling podcast, In Your Head, will be Jackie Jones, will be joining us. And also... Coming up, we will be reviewing WWE's TLC, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, and Stairs. Stairs, do not forget that. But, of course, <laughs> you can follow, NFC, uh, you can follow, sorry, by follow the show at tech underscore UTMR on Twitter. You can follow NFC Game Boy at? NFC Game Boy, spelled correctly. You are right now. Spelled correctly. You can follow Shinblade at? Sensational one on Twitter. I will spell it at the end of the show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> at the end of the show. With that being said, um, fans, if you want to call in and give your thoughts on uh, tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs, and any other appliances or materials that you decide to use, call in 760-888-5749. 760-888-5749. As usual, we do a quick review. We'll let our Correspondent, run down the matches. Well, uh, you know, for people that watch TLC, I will have to say that um, I was actually impressed because I I had expectations of you. Um, I don't know about you guys. What, what did you guys rate it? Uh, uh, it was better than I thought it would be. Yes. Yeah. It was, well, I will say, it, go ahead. Yeah, I would say it, it was okay. It was uh, a little better than Monday Night Raw, but that's not really saying much nowadays. Yeah. Uh, pretty much we will go over the first match, which is the pre-show, and I know everybody of color was retching when it came to this match, uh, at least one of the teams. It was the New Day versus... Stardust and Goldust, the Dust Brothers. And I actually forget uh, what combination of the New Day uh, did this match. I think it was, I think it was, Col- if I'm right, it was Kofi. Was it Kofi? It was Kofi or Wiz. I think it was Kofi. I don't know. I, oh. I didn't see the pre-match. <laughs> that's how, that's I how. I Yeah, <laughs> that shows just how relevant it was. I, I didn't even see the pre-match, so. Sorry, folks. All right, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Um, I'm Wikipediaing it, so you know I didn't write notes down this, this weekend. This is my, how much I cared less. Um, it was Biggie and Kofi Kingston. Uh, Xavier Woods is at ringside. Ooh. So they beat uh, Golden Stardust, which uh, was okay. But you know what I said about New Day. I think everybody knows what we all said about New Day. So we'll just move right along. The first match was an exciting was an exciting uh kickoff to the show. It was the ladder match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, 
which Dolph Ziggler in his hometown got a huge pop, defeated Luke Harper. Now, this match, as far as the finish, I was actually surprised because I thought Luke was going over, but uh, apparently Dolph did. And to tell you the truth, I was shocked because there was blood in this match. You know, just like uh, NXT. You know how they do, um, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll let um, I'll I'll let the NXT game I'll let NXT game boy give his thoughts on um, the ladder match first. Uh, in my opinion, that was the match of the night. Um, I was I wasn't too shocked because I'm a big Dolph Ziggler fan. Uh, Dolph came. He's like the next coming of Shawn Michaels, in my opinion. Came. Very exciting match. Uh, made it very believable um, with some of the setups they did with the ladder. Because, I mean, we've seen so many ladder matches. How much with a ladder can you do? I was very impressed with that. And I also was shocked, too, Shin, at the end that, you know, he got over and actually won back his intercontinental belt. Um, just great match, great pop, you know, being in his hometown and everything. I, I hope that uh, Ziggler keep up the momentum for next year. I would like to see him in WrestleMania because I'm a big Ziggler fan. So, uh, uh, well, uh, like I said, like NFC Game Boy uh, mentioned, and um, I mentioned before that uh, it was a match of the night for me, surprisingly, because we all know how good Ziggler is in the ring. Harper is very good, but yeah, at first I was kind of worried about being a ladder match between Harper and, and Ziggler, but the match was very good. We did get to see a lot of blood. Um, the hard way, uh, this wasn't any blading or any um, of them cutting. People actually got busted open and was cut in a lot of random places, like uh, Harper was bleeding under his armpit for some reason. But a uh, very good match, huge pop for Ziggler. Um, and like, it, it, through the middle of the match, I already had a feeling that Ziggler was going to go over and win the title, which kind of, it kind of makes sense of why they gave it to Harper, I guess, to kind of, make it more important for Ziggler to win it in his hometown. Like I said, it was a good, um, very good match, match in the night for me. All right, we move on to the next match, which uh, I have to say also I was shocked by the ending too because I was expecting I was expecting a turn to happen, but it didn't. It was the tag team match for the tag team championship, the little uh, penny belts, what I call them. It would be the Usos they beat Miz and Mizdow by disqualification. Your thoughts? Um, I, I'm really, I'm I'm a fan of the Usos to a certain extent. Um, I think that you know they're they're very energetic, very um, athletic group, but to me they kind of stale. They do the same stuff, and you know I don't want to be a hypocrite and say I'm a fan of them because. I'm not a fan of John Cena because he do the same stuff. You know what I mean? I would like to see them actually kind of change up some of their routine. Um, I really wasn't a fan of this match. Uh, I was looking for the turn myself also, especially by being in the year. Next pay-per-view Royal Rumble. They will set it up, but I didn't. But, I mean, you know, what more can you say? These guys have wrestled each other like at least eight or nine times now, you know, before the, the the Stardust gimmick came, they were still wrestling each other as Cody and Goldust. So, I mean, you know, you've seen it before. You've seen it once, you've seen it before. So, whatever. Well, uh, I mean, tech? Get, get, 
good thing about this match is that it had Miz, it Miz Dow in it. I mean, the Usos, good young talents, and I know a lot of times we always talk and sometimes joke about black wrestlers being stereotypes. A lot of times we forget the Samoans. Uh, every Samoan that wrestled has to do a Samoan drop or a big splash off the top rope. So the Usos are a good team, and they appeal to the full kids, which is good. But what made the match was Miz Dow. I, I love the angle. Not a big fan of the Miz as of late. Everyone knows that. But um, he takes two to make a tag team uh, successful. And, and Miz, sorry, I'm not a big fan of the Miz, but I love Miz Dow. So um, I, knew the t- I knew the turn wasn't going to come. And if you look by the history of WWE lately, they tend to start their, those those turns of splits around this time at the Rumble, which I don't know Miz Dow could I don't know, eliminate the Miz from the Rumble, you know, however that may lead. But my only fear, real quick, of this is, as great as this angle is between Miz Dow and Miz, what happens to Damian Sandow once they split up? Right. Um, so, well, personally, personally, I've been yeah, saying that, uh, personally, I've, I've been want, uh, saying that, that with, uh, Sandow, he should go back to the unwashed savior of the masses or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, it's like, how do you get back to that point? Well, I think if they break up, it's going to be Miz versus Miz. I mean, I, I think <laughs> that's what they're going to do. Yeah, Sandow is saying he's a better Miz than the actual real-life Miz, which is sad because he's actually true. <laughs> like, well, like, I personally well, think he's actually better than the actual real copy of the person. Yeah, uh, yeah, Game Boy, that is uh hashtag that awkward moment. So with with that, uh, I mean I also have to say that now you see on Raw and the latest SmackDowns that Miz is uh trying to cool his, cool the pop that Sandow is getting. So, you know, you kinda see that kind of like it's all about me, get out my way and everything of that nature. Even when uh Miz Dow sells his moves on singles matches. But, uh, you know, next up is the the match, which I call the tie and all PM match of the night, which it can be disputable with another match, and that was the Steel Stairs match, which it should be Steel Steps match. Uh, the Big Show defeated Eric Rowan by pinning him with the stairs. I have nothing positive to say about it. Uh Eric Rowan's weaknesses were exposed during that match. It was a lot of uh, mediocre spots, so uh, I, I could have cared less. I was on Twitter like all through the match. So, your thoughts? Uh, I really didn't feel emotionally connected to this match. It's uh, I no no disrespect to the Big Show, but I really don't feel connected with his matches because he's you know. You look at him, and he's a big guy. You expect him to just run over top of somebody. And then when you got somebody like Eric Ronan, who is a, a tall guy, not a big guy, but he's a tall guy of size, you know, it, it's hard to see two big guys really have a very uh, a great match. You know what I mean? Especially using the stair, the, the steel stair steps, whatever you want to call it. I mean, to me, it was just, I believe it's it didn't make any sense. It was a more of a filling match than anything. Okay. Um, like as NFC Game Boy mentioned, like telling on PM. Uh, I, I, I know 
I know, I know, Shane. I know you mentioned how it showed the weaknesses of Rowan, and, and do you remember Rowan is still kind of fairly new to the main roster, and that's why you pair him with the legends like Big Show. Of course, I like Big Show back when he was medium show on WCW, or when he mm. mattered at all. It's mm-hmm. my opinion is what did it matter for Big? Why did Big Show have to go over? Why not have Rowan go over? Big Show's been there going on twenty something years. He's just there. There's nothing else he can. He's done everything that is to do. So, Big Show losing doesn't necessarily going to hurt his career or his legendary, um, his legendary spot in the business. Why not have Rowan win? It is something that the uh, big ups to you know our good old buddy, my cousin the Chuckster, mentioned is okay. You hit what? Rowan with yeah. Big ups to my cousin Chuck. He mentioned this good point watching the match. Is he oh, said, okay. okay, Big Show hits Rowan with, with still steps, but he kicks out, but yet the knuckle punch is stronger than still steps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So yeah, now we have to have... So, so now we have to have Big Show uh, punch steel steps just like Street Fighter with a car? Yes. Oh, God, that wouldn't work either. It, it, yeah, uh, that's just crazy, that uh, little boxing thing that him and Seamus went through two years ago. Um, now, let's wake up from this match. And this was, me to me, it was one of the shockers of the night because this match didn't main event. And that was John Cena and Seth Rollins in a tables match with uh, J&J Security. So uh, for those who don't know, if Cena lost this match, he would have no longer been number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I was shocked that this match did not end the show because, you know, Cena always ends the show. But um, I could have cared less for this match. I mean, I, I think personally we knew that Seth Rollins wasn't going over. So we were just trying to see, like, what is he like with main event talent? Uh, I... I, I'm a fan of Seth Rollins, but now he's getting stale to me because for the past three weeks or maybe even four weeks, he comes out there crying about the authority needs to come back and sting, 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 and things like that. So uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of distancing my way away from the character. All right, you guys. Actually, I kind of disagree. I, I I see where you where you can feel the the, the discomfort with him. But I think he's setting himself as to be a, a really good heel. Um, there's not too many really, really good heels left in the company besides all the new guys like Rusev and, and himself. And, and um, you know what I mean? All the other heels are either old, and you know, like Randy Orton and them and stuff, or they're gone, like, you know, Sheamus, you know, injured and everything. But I, I like the fact that he's trying to keep Sting alive in people's thoughts. Because, you know, he came and he left. Uh, the only thing that kind of worried me with this match was I already knew the ending. We all knew that Brock Lesnar was going to wrestle for the belt at WrestleMania, I mean, uh, at Royal Rumble, excuse me, with John Cena. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's kind of like the drawback of giving him the belt in the first place. We already know when he's going to wrestle. We know his schedule just as much as that he knows his schedule. So thanks to the internet and, and social media, we all knew that John Cena was going to miraculously win because he got to wrestle Brock Lesnar. And by it being the beginning of the, uh, the six-month renewal subscription, 
what better time to do it is around January where the Royal Rumble. Because remember, the last six months was August where it was SummerSlam. We got that great SummerSlam mm-hmm. match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so they didn't know what they're doing. I mean, thank you. <laughs> this 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 is business now, you know, Game Boy talking right now. I, I know business. So this is the best way to to serve it, the, the last chapter, quote, unquote, after they already wrestled two years ago, five, seven years ago, ten years ago, like whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they said the last chapter with Orton and, and Cena, and you know where that went bad, so whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just go ahead, side, side, side note, breaking news, just, just to remind people, um, that the boy NFC Game Boy knows business. Tech knows business. I'm sure the sensational one knows business in the area. So even though we do talk about wrestling a lot, we do joke and play. At the end of the day, we do know what we're talking about, how things need to be run. Just wanted to add a little uh, disclaimer, if you will. Just so people yeah. think we're just random people. Yeah, but um, then again, like we like to be proven wrong every now and then, like be surprised. This about. is this is this is WWE. They, they don't really. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, uh, my thoughts. Um, oh yeah, I forgot. This 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 match. Um, I, I was you know I was watching with, 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 with you know with, with Ghetto Tony. Uh, shout out to Ghetto Tony. You know with, to you know watching the Chuckster. You know uh, MD, MD Nice Marilyn Nice joking around, and you know big ups to Light Skin Ross. Uh, part of under the mass security who's been under the weather. He uh, he wasn't of course here, but he watched at his home. Uh, thing I didn't get, I was a little shocked that they didn't main event this match. But then it kind of made sense because this is called TLC, and you want to main event the pay per view on what you call monthly special with the match that goes with the theme of the show. But this match went on way too long. I didn't know if Roman Reigns was going to come back this early, but eventually you just knew it was long, way too long. Cena went through no tables. Seth Rollins went through three. It's like Cena was like impervious, almost like Superman again. Like you, you can't beat three three on one Cena beats. And if you looked at that table, it was sitting in a corner for like thirty minutes. So right when Big Show downloaded, right when Big Actually. Show downloaded in the match, we was like, okay. And then you hear Roman Reigns music. Oh, okay. Well, this is why the tables here because Roman Reigns is gonna do a little. Uh, Super Saiyan, uh, level up, and then do the spear. Actually, Cena did go through a table. I give it at a half point, though, that he did. Yeah, it was count. like the they tried to make it like the Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff cage match, where both of them hit the floor. Uh, but you're right; this went on too long. I think, for at least for a John Cena match, 15 minutes would have been uh, long enough. And Roman Reigns did come back, but. I, I hate to be the hater or whatever you call it, but I really didn't care. Roman Reigns, except for the looks that the women like, he has really nothing to move me except for his like some of his wrestling strength and everything. He he's basically been he took everything that the two other members of the Shield dropped. He took the music, he took the gear, enhanced it, Color and game. pretty much Jinko jeans or whatever you want to call it, and. And just made it. And now I got to the point where uh, a lot of people on social media were against him for making Superstar of the Year, which we could all care less. But with his track record in the past year, he deserved it, though. But um, let's not bore people anymore. Um, this match was another shocker to me. 
Uh, yeah, like Edge did it. Well, Edge was a running hug. <laughs> okay, what about Ryan? I mean, I mean, let, let's let's be real here. I mean, much of the Edge, I, I always like Edge since he debuted. It was a running hug. I mean, that finisher was it really believable that Edge could beat you with a spear? He's beat Big Show with the spear. He's beat Cena. He doesn't have the body type to do the spear. It's not believable. It's a running hug. Well, in, in sports okay. entertainment, yes, you can do that. You, you got to run. Yeah. It's not wrestling. Sports That's right. And, and I mean, wrestling was last it. Thursday at the NXT. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, that was well, wrestling. Well, well, impact, this is sports entertainment, so yes, it's believable. Because also, tape. oh yeah, at least on Because also in sports entertainment, mm. you cannot be knocked out cold by a bottle of water. <laughs> An open <laughs> bottle of water. That. Yeah, open bottle of water. That. I see if it's not frozen. frozen. But, uh, a room temperature, a bottle of water that's room temperature and half. Uh, it's already half full. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put that on MythBusters in the future. I mean, we didn't talk about it over the weekend, yeah, we which I want which I want to get uh, which I want to get to real quick. Uh, next match was a shocker to me. It was uh, Nikki Bella and AJ Lee for the Divas Championship. Now, as far as the Divas Championship is concerned, uh, this was actually a good match uh, as far as WWE Divas wrestling. Uh, the end of it involved hairspray, AJ Lee in, in her eyes, and she lost. So uh, I'm guessing, and this is my prediction, they're going to fight again uh, next month at the Royal Rumble. But this time, it's going to be a hairspray versus Z-Pack match, if anybody gets a joke. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, did you really so, um, talk anymore about this match? Uh, I'm done. Yeah, moving on. All right, moving on. It was, it was better than AJ uh, Lee for, for for making her look good. Yeah, I, I will say that. Shout yeah, out to AJ Lee make for making <laughs> Nikki Bella look believable. <laughs> like, well, you've you done punk. You done well. I, I can see your work. You talking to your your wife and and giving her notes and and stuff. I can see she's understanding the business and her character. She's really developing her character. I can see seeing punk well, talking to her and like you know, hey, do this, do that, da da da. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, well. Also, he gave her the pipe bomb, which which she said uh, last week that talent doesn't come sexually transmitted, which was a pipe bomb. If anybody got that one, yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty damn good. Oh man. So, <laughs> that that was Patty though. Um, next match, and excuse my language, kids, when I say this, was the chairs match, which, which was uh, corporate Kane. I don't know why he's still corporate. He should go back to Demon Kane. Fighting, uh, Mister. Huh? He shouldn't. He, he should just be. He shouldn't. He, he shouldn't even call himself Kane. He should just call himself K. Corporate K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, pretty much. With the widow, with the widow speak. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like Bull from Mike Court. Rose. Yeah, you know he do. He, you know he does. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like Bull from. I posted like a Court. picture a while ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Remember the theme. Remember the theme song. Oh God. <laughs> What's up, D. Larry Cat? What was his name? John Larry Cat. We're talking about uh, Night Court. Uh, shows how how much we cared about this match. Good show. Oh, All yeah, right. Big ups to uh, Harry Anderson. Um, he was the judge, right? Yeah. Yeah, Harry Anderson. So, uh, was, was the black cop. What was her name? Marsha Warfield. 
Oh, see, he sure knows the stuff. Night court. Hey, we all 80s, baby. So let me reiterate that again. Corporate K uh, went against Mr. I'm dumb as fuck Ryback in a chairs match. Um, again, I will. Yeah, thank you. I will say that this was a half step better than the stairs match. Uh, I, this is debatable. Don't quote me on that. Wait, breaking um, news. What the, breaking news. Wasn't Larry Sanders in Night Court too? What? No. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, on night, I'm on a Night Court run. Oh, go, go ahead. I forgot you. Fans hate us that. now. Yeah. Fans who like TLC hate us now, which is like two people. Uh, really TLC okay, next match. Well, TLCS. Uh. Next match, which was a squash match, which I don't know why they put it up here because they gave the challenger a fighting chance uh, during the promos and SmackDown and everything. But, you know, everybody wanted to see the manager. Rusev with Lana beat Jack Swagger by submission. Now, this match should have been more than what it was. I think it was rushed. They gave Jack Swagger the, uh, the upper hand to think that he can beat Rusev and Rusev to squash him. And pretty much, I really, I, I really don't care. Fantasy Game Boy, your thoughts? No, he, he don't have no thoughts. Just, oh, no comment. big up too. We forgot for Night Court. Charles Robinson, the black, I'm a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Night Court in the Russian Bear. You're talking about an 80s if, sitcom. Um, I have no thoughts on this match. That's why I'm bringing up Night Court again. All right. <laughs> It's well, since, since you're doing that, we're going to move on to the main event, which is the uh, TLC match, which is Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose, uh, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match, which Bray Wyatt uh, beat the Titty Master by uh, oh, exploding yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. Your God, thoughts? Honestly, in the PGR of TLC and S, this is probably the best ending that you're going to get out of this whole pay-per-view. Because what else could they do to each other without um, gushing too much blood or really injuring themselves in the actual TLC match? Because with the PGR, this is this is the best you're going to get. Like, think about it. Even though it didn't make any sense, because when have you ever seen a monitor just... Now, I'm, I'm in electronics. I used to fix refrigerators and toasters and VCRs and stuff back in the 90s when I was a teenager and a kid. I have never yanked out something of appliance and they explode on me. <laughs> do, you think that, do you think that the manufacturers would even allow that to go into consumers' homes? If you can yank it out, you can vacuum your floor and yank a cord out and it will explode. Your children can yank out something and it will explode. Really? And people sitting up there like, yeah, that really can happen. Oh, y'all, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting here and I'm reading comments and stuff from wrestling fans, and they really like, well, you know, I I can see that happening. I'm like, really? What? I, 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 have need thrown, that I have thrown stuff out the window, radios and appliances and stuff when I was a kid, just joking around, and they didn't even explode. Like, <laughs> like... 
it's like mind boggling. And they really think that if you really believe that, then give me your flat screen televisions and um, donate all of your DVD, Blu-ray DVDs and stuff. I will take all your appliances that you don't need and anymore. And, it's, and HD yeah, all, all the all the new stuff. If you believe that your appliance can explode, then I'll keep it for safekeeping. And trust <laughs> me, if you ever need it back, then I'll tell you you shouldn't have it because it might explode on you. What the, really? Like people that that PGR. Like think about it, what other ending could they give in the PGR? I think the element of surprise. That, that's the part that got to me. The element of surprise got to me. But I actually believe that because I have yanked many vacuum cleaners out the socket oh. when I was finished. Uh, vacuum why cleaners. Why are you so angry against Did it blow up on you? No, it Did didn't. It, it was like, it, it never happened. It, it only happens if, like, if you stick a fork in the electric socket and you get shot, but you don't blow up. You know, I've never seen anything. I've never seen anything blow up unless you rig it to blow up. Exactly. Keep it, going. Keep it going, guys. Exactly. If you rig it to blow up or something, then I can understand the notion. You feel me? Like, before the match, they did a segment where, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt snuck into a, a closet with the monitors or something. Okay. You know what I mean? You can you can kind of, you know, you can kind of put two and two together. Not, oh, Ambrose takes the monitors, about the hit. Uh, really? And they explode? The wires were still attached to it. Oh, like, with, I'm like, he ain't Jeff Hardy. Like, what is, <laughs> like, like why, why did he write that? Like, this is, but, you know, kids, like I said, this is the PGR. Kids believe the sports entertainment. And in entertainment, you know, oh, my God, it exploded, and he was blinded by the light and all that. Okay. Well, well, really, um, I will say this. Um, I thought it was a reality era, but I guess with CM Punk gone, they got to go back to PG. Um, the, the, the same with the exploding monitor, uh, shout out to Evan Ginsberg, who said this on Facebook. I think personally, it just made him look dumb, like like Wally Coyote type thing to uh, to go down. Because personally, I thought maybe like Bray Wyatt could have pulled one of his, his dark tricks or something. It ain't Dean Ambrose just loses. I can understand that. But an exploding television with a, with the wire still attached under the ring, it just made him look like a cartoon character. And you know, for for Dean Ambrose to be like a CZW uh, alumni, it it made that part made his personality look weak. Like he is just as dumb as ever to finish a match. He'll do anything. He will he will waterboard himself even if it means to beat the other person. So I I did not get that that match period like like i get the the fact of beating the hell out of each other but not an exploding tv and i will say when i saw it i i had that shock i had that shock value like what in the hell happened so mm-hmm. i have like to take the point away from insult. yeah it was insult. like really this is this is okay. something i expect from 1993 day day f superstars or something this is something i would expect from that with, with Hulk Hogan and the Yeah, you know what I mean? That's something I would expect from there. You know what I mean? Like, didn't y'all learn with the flash paper and WCW with Hogan and, um, and um, <laughs> um, didn't y'all learn your lesson from that? Yeah, with yeah. Hogan and the flash paper, didn't y'all learn your lesson? Like, that, that <laughs> stuff doesn't, the only time it ever worked 
and I seen it kind of work successfully with the Jeff Hardy thing when he was doing the pyro and it. Okay, all right. I'm back. That guys. technically right. happened. That happened to Michael Jackson. So okay, yeah. you can kind of, you know, you can kind of give that, but not no explosion, really. Now, I'm, I'm waiting now, for the Acme truck to come past and just say meet meet or something like that. And, yeah, yeah. Now I will do a pilot. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I will. I will say this. Excuse me. Yeah, I was saying. Go ahead. Do apologize. I just wanted to um, just wanted to cut his Ivan Cole off. Just confirming. Um, he just wanted to confirm to let everybody know he uh, will be calling in at eight o'clock. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let me, so. All right. Let me close okay. this off real quick. Um, the pay per view was average, but you want to uh, Game Boy? You want to talk about uh, intelligence insulted? The Fallout show was was. More insulting than the finish. It was nothing but what happened. It was it was nothing but what happened. Five minutes uh, talking about the pay per view, and that was it. Usually the fallout, and I liked the fallout from uh, what was it Extreme Rules when the Shield when they had conferences. I liked that. But I don't know if the budget uh, took away from that. They had no backstage interviews. They had nothing to uh, show what a fallout. It was not even a fallout. It was more like a fall whatever. It was, and probably I got to find it on time. YouTube because I haven't been up there lately. So uh, that was just it. But let's move on well, to the world, Roman. Please. Well, wait, 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 wait. You ain't, you ain't about to move on. I ain't get my opinion yet. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Before you give your opinion, can I say one thing, though? No. Shout <laughs> oh, out yeah, to Booker T for, for his little moment. Oh, yeah. I think when Paul yeah. Heyman said the, uh, the comment <laughs> about, I don't, I, would, I wouldn't discuss uh, bedroom. Um, Things with, about your wife or something. If I was you, oh. and the moment that he gave to him was like, <laughs> was so epic. If you can go back and watch that one sec, that part was so epic because that, you seen the black man come out of Booker T, and you yeah, rarely see him do yeah. that. But that was just one of them nigga moments Bro. where he just was like, if you ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> that was just that Bro. part was that part was hilarious to me. But I'm sorry, go ahead, Tech. Well, well, real quick, um. I'm going to give my opinion on TLC. Real quick, I'm going to bring in uh, our first host, and I'll give my opinion to TLC, and then see if uh, one of our brothers in the business want to give his opinion. Bringing in now, live, 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 is Jackie Jones, one of the hosts of In Your Head Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hey. I like his voice. You got to give yeah. an announcer voice. <laughs> well, I've been listening um, to In Your Head for the last five years, wait, so wait. he always had that. Oh, yeah, he oh, okay. definitely has. And, and we, do you want to say, uh, Jackie Jones, uh, we are fans of your show. Um, I know you're a world winning show as well, so we we definitely want to give you and your show big props um, as being one of the good shows out there um, with good guests. Well, thank you. I Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. We've been doing it since uh, 2005, uh, In Your Head. And, uh, so 2015 will be the 11th year of the show. Wow. That does great. Okay. That is great. Shows a lot of longevity. It is. Um, real yeah. quick, want to give, give, give my thoughts about uh, the main event real quick. And Jackie Jones, if you want to give your quick thoughts to TLC, um, that's fine. Like I said, the main event was okay. Uh, I thought it was a good match. I just think they did the spots too much. I mean, how many times are we going to see Dean Ambrose do an elbow drop off the ladder on Bray Wyatt? <laughs> I, I, I would have, and, and that's something that um, Bruce Hart, me and him talked about um, also on his show on Sunday night, is I would rather 
Dean Ambrose do the elbow drop off the tallest ladder and have him do other spots off the top. But um, like NFC Game Boy said, you work with electronics, you know, a lot of people say, was it real? Did Dean Ambrose really get it? No, he didn't. <laughs> I like how it was, it was surprising, you know, people were just looking like, oh, my gosh, is he okay? It was a um, surprising ending. But overall, I thought the match was good. It was good to see a non-Cena main event for a pay-per-view. It was good to see. Um, Jackie Jones, uh, what was your thoughts uh, on uh, TLC? Yeah, you know, I saw uh, mostly people really negative on it online on Facebook, and so I didn't get to see it live, but I, I saw it, you know, on the network the replay, and I avoided the spoilers. But I saw all these negative comments about it, so I expect it to be very bad. But uh, I enjoyed the uh, the whole show, even the matches that I wasn't really expecting a lot from. They were fine, like you know. Uh, Big Show and Rowan, not like this, a fantastic match or anything, but you know it was fine for what it was. But I thought the opening, uh, the uh, ladder match with um, with Ziggler was great, and I thought I thought um, the Cena match was really good. I'm not a big Cena fan, but it, that was a good match, and not, it's kind of overbooked or whatever, but it was still fun, and I liked the main event. Uh, the, the very end with the uh, the monitor exploding, you know, it's a little sillier or whatever, but. Hey, it's wrestling. I think you should have a little bit of uh, craziness in the matches sometime. And it's something you don't see on uh, on regular Raw, you know, a lot of the matches with weapons and whatnot. So overall, I thought it was a good pay-per-view. Cool. Uh, okay. Actually, um, Jack, if you would, I would like to hear your analysis of the chairs match. Uh, not the chairs match, but the, uh, the steps match, as it currently should be called. Because I, I personally didn't get it. You know, I think it was just something for Big Show and Rowan to do. Yeah, well, you know, it's it was probably better than if they just had Big Show and Rowan just have a match. That's probably not going to be very good. So, uh, just two big dudes just uh, hitting each other with steps. Is it, the, is it a great match? Not really, but uh, it's, it was probably more interesting than just watching uh, Rowan and Big Show trying to have, like, you know, a 15-minute uh, wrestling match. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, it's funny that they they put Rowan with Big Show because really, like, the only thing that guy really has going for him, you know, is he's very big, and then he feuds with, like, like the only guy in the company that's bigger than him. Well, to tell you the truth, um, I saw two things from this match. Um, I saw one, which was obvious to everyone, where they had stairs everywhere around the arena, uh, steps, Uh excuse me. And he set it up like a bowling alley, and I think Big Show not rolling into him like like bowling and pins and everything. And to yeah. me, you know, you know, with Big Show and Rowan, it was just like the equivalent of watching two bears fight over fish. You know, you know, with the the a red bear versus a grizzly bear. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you're ever gonna get like this uh, this five star classic match out of Eric Rowan and Big Show. So you might as well just have them just uh, beat each other up with some steps. I think that was just real, pretty much the idea. Real, real quick, Jackie Jones, breaking news. Night Court, Selma Diamond is another Oh, my God. Really? Night Court series. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, Jackie Jones, <laughs> you get a chance to listen early. We were talking about the, the, the stairs match, and uh, my great co-host, we tend to use the, t- the term Tylenol PM for matches that just doesn't matter. So the fact that... uh. The stairs match really was just a waste of time. We just decided to keep talking about uh, other 80 sitcoms that we enjoyed as kids. That was a chairs match. 
I'm not trying to say this was a, like this great match or anything, but uh, my expectations for it were, were actually a lot lower than than what it was. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's nothing you need to go out of your way to say to to go see. Man, I really need to see Eric Rowe in that Big Show match. Can I ask you a question? Yes. I want to know this. We all knew that, of course, John Cena was going to win his match somehow, some way, because of the whole Uh, contract deal that they had with Brock Lesnar being at Royal Rumble. Do you think that with the social media and us fans and everybody know about this contract agreement with WWE that it kind of just – Spoiled the match even more because you already know he's supposed to be set to wrestle John Cena, of course, you know, again for the belt. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point. I think I've mentioned this before just on Facebook and whatnot, that sometimes you can kind of like smart yourself out of, of enjoying like a show. But even without like knowing like the inside uh, stuff with, with, with um, Brock Lesnar's contract, I think it was kind of like pretty much you knew – Cena was going to win, just even storyline wise, because he was, you know, he was going to face uh, face him for the title. But unless he lost, and then like he lost his number one contendership, but it was never like if he lost, then uh, then that uh, Rollins got the shot. I don't think it was just if he lost, he lost the number one contendership. But then who would face him? So I thought it was pretty it's pretty obvious that that Cena was going to win. I thought the match itself was good, but I think at this point in time, it really is starting to hurt the pay per views that. Uh, Brock Lesnar isn't, or the champion isn't on all of them, because right. it's just a bunch of matches without what, you know, there's no there's no, all these matches are fine, they're really, you know, like the main event was good and stuff, but it's not for a title or anything, it seems like uh, I know it was cool that someone else besides Cena was on the main event, but when it's not for the world title, it seems like a very strange match, just the main event of the show. Now, Jack, uh, I have a question for you, and um... I think a couple of people agree with me. Some people don't agree with me. But Brock Lesnar being champion and not being on TV, period, uh, I think it devalues the title belt because, uh, and to bring up uh, Mr. Post-it note, CM Punk, he had said that when you're the world champion, the show should start and end about you because you're on top. Now, what I believe that instead of being at home eating his Jimmy John's and watching old UFC fights, and uh, banging his wife, Sable, I think personally that at least for the very least that if Brock Lesnar does not wrestle, and it's been past 30 days, if Brock Lesnar does not wrestle at the pay-per-view, I think he should have like a, a club box somewhere to know that, to tell fans that your champion is still here and still around and, you know, should be feared and everything. Now, with the exception of the Survivor Series last month because of the whole authority storyline, do you actually believe that Brock Lesnar should still keep an on-screen present in order to keep the belt up as well as 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 his integrity? Yeah, there's a couple things there. I don't I don't think him being he necessarily has to be on every Raw. No. Uh, I don't mind the, the championship belt only defended on the pay-per-view. I think that actually brings uh, importance to the title. When I was a kid, like you never saw Hulk Hogan, you know, defending the title on TV. He had either go see him at a show or buy or buy one of the pay-per-views or maybe on Saturday night's main event, but he still seemed important and they still talked about him on the show. And you knew everyone on the show is fighting, trying to get a shot at the title. And so even if he's not on the actual raw every week, I think that's fine, but he should definitely be uh, on the pay-per-views. And I actually totally agree too about um, 
Survivor Series because there was stuff going on there where you didn't you didn't really miss the the title match. But when you have like two or three other pay per views with no, with no title match and like really no one even talking about it necessarily, it's totally uh, the whole show seems uh, less important because it's like in a way why are the guys even fighting each other if they're not even trying to get the title and the title's not even there. Uh, it, it just makes a show. See, what what is the point of the show? Do, do, do I, do you, know, you would do, think when you had the world title on the show, they would like elevate the tag belts and the IC belt and make those seem important, but but they haven't at all. Right, and and do you know do you know Jack that like you said the WWE title, world heavyweight title, what you want to call it, has not been on TV in over ninety days. That's a special probation period for a new job. Nor have we seen the WWE champion at all. So like I said, they're fighting, they're fighting over a championship. They're fighting over someone who we don't know what we're going to see again. Also, uh, the 30-day rule that was implemented back in the NWA days and maybe WWF days that it was that they had to defend that title uh, whenever. I mean, I it guess Hulk Hogan was, was the exception to the rule. It was, was WCW in Okay. Yeah, it was a TV, well, it was a TV, TV storyline. They were definitely never used it, but well, yeah, common, you know, like, Dean, common sense should make you use it, though. But, yeah, well, yeah. That, I mean, is that line storyline? They took the title from Daniel Bryan because they said he couldn't defend it thirty days. See, see, and that and was the tell yeah, and to tell you the truth, uh, Dean Ambrose defended the U.S. title more times than Brock Lesnar had the world title. Mm. And, uh, you know the uh, the NXT. Uh, I don't know what you call you know call it pay per view, but the special show, or whatever. Last week, our Revolution, and um, you, you don't even look at the uh, the matches themselves, which are really good in the show. That the NXT show does a much better job of at making all the titles seem very important. Pretty much everyone in the show is trying to get the title. That's like the main goal. Uh, and all the wins and losses seem important. Just the guy winning a match, he's right. like a big deal in XD. And uh, I don't know why that isn't part of Raw. It just seems like, uh, or, or WWE, the main show, it just seems like uh, basic common sense that the point of the show itself is you're trying to win the world title. Well, I right. think the reason why it's like this is because you got Hollywood writers writing wrestling, and they don't know anything about wrestling like that. You know, they watched probably wrestling on TV, but they don't know about booking and, 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 and carrying a storyline or even a match. Some guys just gel very well, you know, and, and us being in the business, we've met, been behind closed doors at, at matches and, um, you know, mm-hmm. at, at shows, and, you you know, guys have admitted, like, hey, man, you know, when I wrestled him, you know, like, we just tore the house down, and, you know, you, they never mm-hmm. expected it. And that's something mm-hmm. that a writer was supposed to take into consideration and say, you know, well, hey, you know, one way one way down the world, you know, we can put y'all two in a match. And I know that y'all gel together, y'all work well together, so that can help bring out a great match. But, no, you got these Hollywood writers who sit up here and put bunnies. Yes, bunnies. They can't. In, okay. in matches. Yeah, and grumpy <laughs> cats and stuff like that. I mean, I know he's competing with Monday Night Football and everything, but. Monday night football ends in two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Football season is about to go into playoffs, so Monday night football is done. 
So now well, you're going to the new fiscal year, you're going to the new year in business and everything, your stockholders and all, I'm looking at y'all, and they're like, okay, what are y'all doing in order to make new subscribers or to keep your show fresh? Because well, that's four like, strikes right there. Uh, you would think, yeah, so even if you never, if you didn't understand wrestling, and you, you, you just you would think just like the uh, the very basic knowledge of any type of sport is that the guys are going for the championship. Even football, the teams try to win each so they can get into the playoffs, so they can then win the Super Bowl. That anything you watch boxing, anything people are trying to win, so they can go for the championship. So you would think even just the basic core knowledge of how any sport would win, because wrestling is supposed to. I, obviously, we don't we don't think it's an actual legit sport, but within the story of the show you're watching, the wrestlers themselves are portraying people that are in, in a sport and trying to win championships. So you would think just that basic like concept would be easy to understand. Now there'd be a lot of other nuances and things that maybe someone out of wrestling, you know, will have to learn to to really get wrestling. But you would think just the basic idea of people wanting to win so they can get a championship would would just be common knowledge. Yeah. But it's right. Um but I, but to your great point to your great point, uh Jack, the NXT it is funny because now in wrestling and I said this last week or two weeks ago, I don't know if you um if if uh people remember, but I said that why in the world that that uh when Raw is when Raw is on the air or SmackDown is on the air, we could get we could care less about it, but when NXT has been a WWE product, when NXT comes in, we're rushing home to watch it. And the the thing is is that somebody came up to me and said that the thing with NXT is they have one writer on the show that writes everything. The people who write Raw and SmackDown is ten people. Excuse me. I think actually in the recent, uh, I think they said, I think Vince said it was twenty six writers. See. Well, is well with with that. I mean, the decision, and if that point is true, but we also have to remember number one. And the reason why everybody rushing over NXT, NXT is fresh and new. It's different from WWE. So people want to rush home today, and like Jack said, it makes it so everybody is important, every match is important, like WWE used to do for their main shows. Raw is three hours, a lot of filler, a lot of promos and talking and unfunny uh, uh, angles and whatnot. So SmackDown, no one watches SmackDown anymore, number one. it's not Well, it's live tonight, but it's recorded. You can get the spoilers. You can probably download an early episode of SmackDown if you want to, and it's not a lot of emphasis on SmackDown shows. You don't see any of the top guys show up on SmackDown like they used to. Back in the day when SmackDown oh. came on, I'm sure Jack remembers this, and we all do, is SmackDown mm-hmm. used to be treated as the number two show or just as big as Raw, Big Show, The Rock, Triple H, Austin. Everybody was on the show. It was, you know, SmackDown was like uh, whatever happened on Raw, you got to watch SmackDown to see the carryover. Now, well, actually, I mean, actually, brand Hold on real quick. It's, it's the truth. Is when was the last time you actually cared to watch SmackDown? You actually rushed home to watch SmackDown. Jack, Jack, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, when even like uh, when they created SmackDown, the idea of it was that was going to be like the Rock show. Was like you know, Raw would be Austin show and SmackDown would be uh, uh, the show that the Rock was like portrayed on. And 
it, it was like that for a while. It was like you said, it was it was important and things happened on there. And uh, when Paul Heyman was booking it for, yeah. for that that period, is actually more entertaining than Raw was. But yeah. For like the past like several years, it's really just been a show you don't need to watch at all. Well, real quick, Shango. 2002, that was the year that SmackDown was the best show on, on air. Uh, now it's a brand extension because, right, Paul Heyman, and he admitted it in uh, his DVD, uh, it, he was writing for it and everybody rushed home for it. The only SmackDown I can remember that I actually enjoyed was when uh, Evolution was against The Shield and on Raw, everybody beat up The Shield. And on SmackDown, The Shield came back to beat up everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was um, really just the shield was so good, and then you just get to see you know more of the shield. Wasn't necessary. I think that SmackDown was was a great show. And and by by any chance, um, you know, talking about the pay per view, here's a good question for you. And Vince McMahon probably can answer it more than anybody. But where the hell was Cesaro at all this? When's the last time he been on been relevant? Yeah, it's 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 really weird because if you if you go back to um, when they were the Un-Americans, and it was like you watch those guys and you think, well, clearly Cesaro's the star of this group. And then when they when they built up to uh, when he when he body slammed um, Big Show over the top rope at, at WrestleMania, that was like a really cool moment, and like everyone was strongly behind him. And uh, now you go like you know six months or whatever in the future and. Uh, and the swagger is actually more over the two, which is, is sad. And uh, and it's so weird that the guy, it was like he had all his momentum, and I think it was just obvious he was going to turn to a babyface. Everyone liked him. And he went from, he made a very strange turn. He went from heel to heel. He, like, he left uh, he left uh, Zeb and then went to Paul Heyman. So he didn't even make, he didn't even turn babyface. He went heel to heel. And then, um... Yeah, so then people still didn't like, and then they tried to go out of the way to get people to boo him, and the whole time he's with Paul Heyman, and I think Paul Heyman's great. He's the best, you know, modern manager. But the whole time it was all about Paul Heyman when he'd come out with Cesaro. All he talked about was Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker. So it really just made <laughs> Cesaro just look like you know the secondary guy, and who cares about him? Right. Great. Well, real quick, Real quick, Jack, I know we're running short on time. Um, I know we caught up talking about the pay-per-view on that. You are a host of another show also, of In Your Head. Um, you've been around for 11 years. If you can, real quick, let us know um, a quick um, synopsis of your show. What makes your show different? Let us know how your show came about and what you got uh, coming up. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we start. This really predates uh, podcasts. At the time, there weren't like uh, there wasn't even a term podcast. And um, um, so, anyway, it was uh, me, one inch biceps, and Barbie Richards from England, and we started the show. And it was like, you know, basically like now, like podcasts is uh, fans of wrestling, you know, talking about wrestling. And we started getting guests. And uh, I think, I think really like any any show, anyone can. This isn't to, to downgrade anybody, but anyone could do a show if they want to. But really, what what makes people like it or dislike it, I think, are the hosts. And uh, I think people like uh, the interaction with uh, one inch biceps and myself, and we don't necessarily take it really seriously, but uh, we have fun in this show, and people seem to enjoy it. 
And I think the guests always have a good time on the show. So if you guys want to check it out, it's iywhitewrestling.com. Uh, was on Wednesdays, but uh, now we're on Fridays at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 8 or 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, I don't know who we have coming up, but uh, we just had uh, Black Bart on the show and uh, Mantar. <laughs> wow. Great Mantar. Yes. But actually, honestly, it's, it's always fun for me to find some of the uh, more obscure guys that you don't necessarily hear a lot from and uh, find out w- w- what their story is. But uh, there's been a lot of big guests on the go, uh, show. Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, yeah, Ivan Koloff, who I know you guys are having on here. He was on the show before. and So that's a great guest, Ivan Koloff. Yeah, cool. Um, NFC Game Boy, any uh, last question for Jack before we uh, let him go? Um. Well, my my last question is really, it has really nothing to do with wrestling. It actually has to do with our show. Um. Being that you've been in the business for over ten years, and you're now uh, a guest on our show, is there is a certain type of flair or a certain type of um, um, I don't know charisma that you feel about our show that you see, uh, you know, maybe some advice that you can give us or uh, well, you know, actually, guys, opinion. I, I did have fun on. I was only here for a half hour or so, but yeah, it was it was fun. And uh, you guys, you all three sound differently. That's a, that's a good thing, and you don't talk over each other. You also let uh, the guests talk when, when they want to, so I think that's all a big positive. And you guys were very uh, friendly to me when you asked me to come on the show. And, uh, yeah, charisma is – you have to. that's not necessarily something you can teach. But, yeah, it, uh, I, I enjoyed my time here, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks, man. Oh, thank I appreciate you. it. And um, we, um, if it's okay, we'll have you back on, um, back on the show very soon. Sure. Can I submit a question for Ivan Koloff? Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sure. We, <clears throat> you should be calling in in, I guess, about two minutes, so we can just, uh, just keep you online. Uh, <clears throat> keep you online, and when he calls uh, in, you, we'll uh, let you ask him. All right. I now, was, was going to give that to you. Yeah, that's all. Um, um, <clears throat> um, Shimbley, you have something you wanted to add? Um. Actually, since we're off the interview and waiting for Ivan Kolov, I actually uh, had a situation last weekend uh, at 1CW where I was interviewing uh, Kendrick uh, Kamari, the uh, vampire demon. And apparently I um, I was the only one there while you two were at the airport uh, trying to catch up with, uh, what was it, uh, Hotline of Hustlers? Yeah. And I was... I was uh, attacked during that interview that I did, and um, by by Kindred, and also I was attacked leaving the arena, leaving the arena uh, by both Kindred Kamari and Jai Cole. Um, I di- I just got a message today from uh, the Booker's uh, the owner, excuse me, Stevie Ray Styles, saying that in the next show there will be some discipline for Kendrick Kamari and. Um, to tell you the truth, I will be there with him to deliver a message to him, too. All right. <clears throat> All right I good. just want to get it off my chest. Understandable. Well, anybody's getting anything off their chest. Anything, anyway, anything you want to get off your chest? Um, no, not really. Uh, I just want to say real quick, if we have the time, 
um, the one CW and to ACW. We went to both Friday and Saturday. Under the mat was there. We had a great time, great shows. Um, shout out to uh, Skull from Rye City for winning yeah. the ACW Heavyweight Championship. And the guys from one CW, uh, great show. Um, congratulations to Hotlander Hustlers for uh, gaining the tag champions, uh, tag belts. Um, just both great shows. Um, can't wait to go back and, you know I mean, be a part of the uh, – of the the greatness that those guys uh, bring to the table. So. And uh, with with with, with that being okay. said, sorry, Shin. Um, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Um, we will have now bringing in right now live, live, live the legend himself, former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, former Canadian Heavyweight Champion, the great man himself, the Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. Welcome, sir, to Under the Mask Radio. Hey, Comrade, how are you doing? Comrade Evans. Hey, uh, how you doing? Hey. Man, uh, I'm just blessed to be here. After uh, 50 years of wrestling, i got to pitch myself every day just to uh, let myself know that I'm still uh, kicking. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We, we feel very honored uh, to have you on our show. My pleasure. Thank you. Real quick, um, before we start things off, we have a, a good buddy of ours from In Your Head Wrestling, Jackie Jones. Uh, he wanted to ask you a question real quick, if that's fine. All right. Hey, Jackie. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, now, I read your biography a few years ago, and it was a, a great uh, book. And uh, you talked about uh, something in that book. You talked a lot about, about a lot of things, but uh, that used to put the blade um, underneath your tongue. And I was just wondering mm-hmm. if you ever had any... Um, if you ever cut your own mouth, or if you if any any accidents occurred from uh, doing so. No, I can't recall any as far as uh, that's why I ended up carrying it there simply because it became too much of a obstacle. I think a weapon type thing on the fingers, and uh, just so, so the fans know the reason why I ended up doing this is the promoters always allowed you a little bit more money whenever. Uh, there was blood, we call it juice, of course, and uh, uh, if you beat your opponent bleed or you bled, uh, the opponent, uh, you'd, you'd end up getting extra money because I, I'm sure the promoter figured that that make the people more um, excited and uh, it's above and beyond the Call of Duty type things. So instead of uh, carrying on my fingers, I found that, uh, or my wrists and the side of uh, some tape on my finger, I found that to be real awkward. Uh, what I did end up uh, going to using that, and for many years I ended up not even considering that. I ended up just doing it the hard way. You know, I'd try to run into the uh, cage or hit the post uh, in a way that uh, end up, uh, you know, making myself bleed, you know, by just being rough and figuring that that's excitement to the match. But after I had situations where uh, I ended up, hit the bell, like, you know, for the timekeeper's bell. I took that one day, and when my head is up, there's a bolt that sticks up to the top of it, and I ended up running my head into that bolt, and it stuck to, and it, the, the bell came up in the air and dropped off my head, you know. So it was obviously, you know, I hit it very hard. And uh, I remember one uh, match with uh, Bruno San Martino, matter of fact, I think it's a, I hit that cage probably uh 
two or three dozen times at least during the match and never, ever got blood. There was never any blood. In a cage match, you know, you figure we're definitely going to be blood. But I hit that full steam. Next morning I got up, I mean, my whole head was swollen, red, uh, all over my body. I had, uh, you know, like red marks and where I ended up bruising it from hit the cage. But, no, I, I ended up going to uh, carry my butt there for the last several years, maybe over half of my career, because uh, I just found that uh, be more comfortable, keep it out of the way. But you did. Uh, of course, I had to concentrate and make sure I didn't swallow it, you know, that thing like that. But you get used to it after a while, and it made it a lot easier. Well, thanks for uh, answering my question. Uh, red yes, turns the green, I believe this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jackie Jones. We'll talk to you soon. Take Thank care, you. man. Right. Thank you. Thanks. <clears throat> All right, Mr. Ivan Koloff. Um, first, just like to say thank you for being on. Um, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, uh, NFC Game Boy, so he can start off with a question. Sure. Oh, cool. Well, Mr. Koloff, my first question to you is this. With your character being, you know, of course, not from the United States and everything, and Explain to our uh, guests how hard it was back in the day with the big Cold War, and you know some of the uh, some of the troubles that you might have had to go through because of how uh, hated your character was in the storylines. Oh, well, a lot, a lot of interesting stories, and I tell a lot of them in the, that my book is that wrestling mm-hmm. fake the bear patch by Evan Koloff that you can get through Scott Teal, uh, crowbarpress.com, crowbarpress, just like the the word crowbar, all one word, press.com. I ended up uh, finding out over the years that, uh, real quick, because I ended up in Montreal, you can't get any wilder fans in there, simply because a lot of the arenas they wrestled in was uh, ice arenas uh, where they played hockey, and uh, drinking was allowed in there. And so, you know, the fans usually had a few, and they'd end up uh, getting really upset, especially if you're beating their hero up. And uh, just about everybody was their hero compared to me. Because, you, uh, you know, like you're just saying, the Cold War and all. I, I can remember riots, uh, Ernie the Cat Lad, myself. Uh, the fans got so upset. looked like we were going to beat their their champions, the Rougeaux, uh for the tag team belts. And... Uh, uh, two out of three fall. Uh, after the second fall, we uh, already had won one fall, and then were disqualified the second fall, and the Rougeos were bleeding, and the people couldn't take it anymore. They rioted and filled the ring up with cheers. I ended up, uh, we, we took off for the dressing room, and of course, you used, I, I even said to the cat, or the cat out, I said, Cat, what are we going to do with these crazy people? And he just said, uh, grab a chair, kid. Use it as a weapon. <laughs> you know, use it as a shield, a weapon. Like they, they, they block and they get too close, you whack them with it. And uh, I did, cause, you know, because uh, I seen that they're very intent uh, people, uh, and they're trying to hurt us. We made our way back to the dressing room, but I was the last one to go through the doors, and uh, here comes a chair. And I had to look around to see what was going on behind the curiosity, and. Uh, this case, uh, curiosity killed the bear. <laughs> the chair hit me right to the nose. Oh, I just took my nose off. I had a bunch of stitches there. But anyway, 
that, that was a riot there that I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, matter of fact, two or three times that bad situation in the Montreal area in that two and a half years I was there. Ended up another time in uh, Three Rivers, Quebec, where they ended up, uh, uh, man, uh, somebody in the audience was shooting nails bent over and the nail on elastic band. And, I mean, this is a very dangerous thing. They're going to get a kid and they're going to get a band. Uh, but he ended up being a pretty good shot, I guess. He got me right in the head. And I got to the dressing room, and I felt the same burning in my head. And I looked in the mirror, and there was a nail stuck in my head. And luckily it was bent. <laughs> because the, uh, the sharp end got caught in my the skin and lodged in my head anyway. And a lot of situations like that. Just having to physically fight the people going to the ring and coming back. Because... Uh, uh, most of the area, even when I got down to the Mid-Atlantic area here in the Carolinas, I always tried to keep a big partner, or a, a guy that was known to be a good fighter, uh, Ray Stevens, guys like Dick Murdoch, uh, Sweet Hanson, guys that could, you know, had a good punch, and uh, I just fit myself right in behind him. But Roddy Piper, of course, he was one of my tag team partners, a lot of guys. I had a lot of tag team partners, and uh, I, I figured out uh, it was... Uh, one of the most important things of tag teams is to have a guy that was reliable to watch your back and you had to watch his, you know, because guys have got knifed in the ring before and uh, it was the type of thing that you, you depend on your partner looking out for you a lot of times. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, so to answer your question, that uh, very, very um, hot situation as far as the Cold War, but to top it all off, of course, against uh, Bruno. Uh, at the gardens, uh, being he was uh, so loved by the people. Whenever uh, the one, two, three, and he dropped off the top, I gave to him. Uh, he uh, was defeated. They couldn't believe it. They went quiet, the people. Just quiet, just like that. When it happened before they started filling the ring up with chairs in Montreal, they ended up uh, that type of feeling, and I knew it was a bad situation if we didn't uh, react quick. And the uh, referee did the right thing. He just wouldn't uh, get the belt out there. He just said, he raised my hand real quick, told me to get back to the dressing room. I said, where's the belt? And then he said, do you hear, did you hear, do you hear the people? And I said, no. Mm-hmm. He says, that's why you don't get the belt out. He says, they're, they're really mad at you. So I went back huh. to the dressing room, of course. And like a lot of people know about it there now, but. It was bad, too. We had to fight our way out of the basement. We always got a cab or you parked your car down in the basement of the old uh, Madison Square Gardens. And we had to uh, literally uh, uh, run for our lives uh, when we got in the cab because the people had come through the big door when they let the cab come in. And uh, thereafter, so they tried to upset the cab. And me and the captain, Lou Abano, was uh, high, high-tailing out of there. And uh, the taxi driver... Cooperators got out of there pretty quick, and I was glad of that. But yeah, they get the fans really get. Uh, and back in those days, they got really upset. It was like uh, a riot. That's the only way to explain it. Puerto Rico wrestled down there. They throw take the seat apart even just to have a weapon to throw it at you as you're going to the ring. You know, nuts or bolts out of the seat, and, and all kinds of <laughs> crazy stuff thrown at us. Uh, um. <clears throat> I want to ask, too, is 
um, a lot of people looked you up on YouTube. Um, had a lot of fans that interested in you know hearing you talk. And I will say, back in the day with kayfabe, uh, it was a big uh, surprise to me because I never remember you. I don't know if you ever played a good guy. I always remember you being evil <laughs> and being a bad guy. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> my memories, my memories that you was the NWA Mid Atlantic days of the Russians with Nikita Koloff and. Crushing Crusade, mm-hmm. Chad Barry Dorso, and that <clears throat> you were speaking uh, Russian, and you was mad, and you would be more so the the talker when it came to the interviews. And since so mm-hmm. I got a chance to finally talk to you off air personally, you was like, "Wow, this guy's pretty nice." <laughs> so, you know, growing yeah. up seeing someone that you played a, a mean guy all the time, and you played your part very well, <clears throat> kind of find out you're a really good guy. They really show, um, you know, how great of a job you did of uh, playing a character mm-hmm. as a hill and opposed to you know, who you really are. I appreciate that. Yeah, I ended up, uh, uh, like I, I tell a lot of people now today, you know, uh, uh, the reason why I was always the bad guy, I never played a good guy, is the promoter told me when they first seen me, they said, no, nah, you got to be a heel, you got to be a bad guy because you're too ugly to be a baby face, you're a good guy. So uh, <laughs> well, I took him at that and I agreed with him after I looked in the mirror. But, but yeah, Really, it's just, uh, I think that's, I felt bad. And it's really odd because I was really an introvert, shy kid. Uh, come from a family of 10 kids, you know, raised on the farm, and it was just a lot of hard work and uh, learned how to fight, wrestle, or whatever you call it. I guess back in those days, they wrestling, I guess, because my brothers, uh, I was a middle child, sisters or whatever, they they try to find out how tough I was by uh, you know, oh, you want to be a wrestler? You're going to be a wrestler, big, big champion, right? And they'd, <laughs> I'd have to end up uh, getting in a real fist fight with them, and we'd end up having bloody eyes, black eyes, uh, sometimes uh, bloody noses, and all this, uh, just from uh, my sincerity. Because it was, I was eight years old whenever I wanted, uh, realized I wanted to be a wrestler because I seen it on television. Uh, not that we had it at home because we, we didn't have electricity or. TV and like that until I was a teenager, but uh, I remember uh, mother and father taking this to a friend's place that had a television about 1950, and uh, black and white little box, and I remember wrestling was on, and bam, after that night, that, that's all I had in my mind, I wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, my mom didn't help, uh, actually in a way she really did help, but uh, she ended up calling me uh, her little champion, that's my boy, my little champion, he's going to... He's going to be a championship wrestler one time. So all my brothers and uh, they did all Mama's boy. To this day, my brother's called Mama's boy. And I said, oh, thank you. Because to me, it's an honor to be the Mama's boy. Because I figured that uh, Mama's always encouraged me to, uh, you know, to end up being a champion. So it may be really intent on uh, gaining the weight and working on hard at the gym. Because uh, when I went to the wrestling school, I just turning 19 years old, I was only like 183 pounds, and uh, uh, the guy that was uh, training uh, owned the gym, Jack Wentworth from Hamilton, Ontario. He, he said to me, he said, uh, you got to get some weight, kid. You're not uh, big enough for a wrestler. And I said, how much weight uh, do I have to uh, gain? He said, well, if you put on 30 pounds, I'll start training you. Uh, it was always took me about a month to put on 30 pounds because and uh, six months uh, later, I was uh, 270 pounds, and I was bench pressing uh, just about 400 pounds and squatting uh, 500 pounds. And 
uh, he was so impressed that uh, he started ahead of time to train me to be a wrestler. He seen that I was force feeding myself and protein shakes and meals every day. I, I'd go crazy trying to uh, gain weight, but it, it worked. It worked, and uh, I'm glad it did. But man, it uh, was. Uh, as it turned out, I ended up wrestling as an Irishman for the first uh, is since '62, right out up to. Uh, 67 when I went to Montreal wow. and uh, the reason for that was uh, I, I never thought I'd look like a Russian or could wrestle as a Russian you know and uh, Jacques Rougeau from Montreal the brother, brother to the promoter uh, he was in Japan when I got my first tour over there in 67 and and uh, we became friends and he told me uh, why don't you become a Russian shave your hair off or your head and leave your beard and because uh, you look a little bit like Lenin, you know, that old leader of Russia. And I said, yes, mm-hmm. sir. He called his brother up and booked me on the spot because by this time I was 300 pounds, and uh, he was very impressed that I was so aggressive in the ring for a big guy. He said, oh, I'm short. I was only 5'10", but I was uh, up over 300 pounds. And uh, he'd uh, mm. seen how intent I was. That, uh, they, uh, just on his word, I had me come into Montreal, and I became the Russian, and and it was great because right from the start, they had me go from the dressing room out to the ring, uh, run round and round the ring while they announced my opponent. And they announced me. I jumped in the ring, uh, beat up my opponent, uh, put him in an inverted back ring over my shoulder, dump him, and run round the ring, ran about four or five times, run back to the dressing room. I did that for about a year, just, uh, <laughs> I guess, while I was, uh, I guess, being, get the, the people to know me. And it really worked because they, uh, uh, ended up uh, selling out a lot of places and doing real well. Mm-hmm. That was the start to uh, get into New York and wrestling. is my hero, Bruno San Martino, the legend. He was a guy I followed from the time he became champion in 63. Matter of fact, it's Ivan Kolov. I got a chance to wrestle him in 63 in uh, Pittsburgh on television. And I was just new uh, out of the wrestling school and pretty green and I was tricked into by the guys in the dressing room uh, pulling the rib on me to go out there and attack him. When he went down to the corner in prayer, Bruno, before every match, he, uh, I would attack him. And uh, I thought that was a good idea, so I did it. And the dude just pulling my leg, and I ended up, I never never forget Bruno looking up at me like, uh, what's the matter, you crazy kid? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and uh, I wasn't a kid no more. I was a grown man, you know, like, up around 300 pounds, so I ended up uh, really kicking him and punching him hard. But about after five minutes, the match was over because Bruno made a comeback and he was—he showed me why he was uh, the champion. <laughs> but he threw me around like a rag doll. Yeah, I, I enjoyed. Uh, by this time, I had really become used to being, you know, uh, the bad guy and the people boo at me. It was just maybe loosened up that much more. I just thought, oh, shut up, you stupid American, all this stuff, you know. <laughs> oh, with that, um, our correspondent, Shimbley, wanted to um, have a question for you also. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, Mr. Cola, uh, we met in 2007 uh, at the Magnum TA show in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, I remember oh, meeting you. I remember meeting you and uh, Nikita Koloff, and I remember Nikita Koloff uh, coming to the Norfolk Scope at times. When I visit from Hawaii, um, yeah. 
I I realized that also for a fact. I was just looking over the notes that you wrestled in WWF title matches against uh, San Martino, Morales, Graham, and Backlund, which you were like the only guy to do so. But also, you are a born-again Christian, and um, I wanted to get your story of how did that come to be. Well, it's, uh, I appreciate you bringing it up because, to me, that's uh, the, only, the only reason I'm alive today, I believe, is just the grace of Almighty God because uh, I uh, really went off the deep end later on in my career. It seemed like I started off thinking it was all right to have a sociable beers after the match, as pretty soon as it was a six-pack, long trips, it was a 12-pack, and uh, got uh, some injuries uh, about 1972, 73 in Minnesota when I was wrestling out there. The guys like uh, Black Jacks were out there, Crusher, Bruiser, guys like that, and I ended up uh, getting a back injury against uh, Billy Robinson and Wahoo McDaniels, me and superstar Billy Graham, and uh, I ended up being... Out of commission for about two months, but uh, because it squashed the uh, yes, disc back there was pinched or something, really a lot of pain. But I ended up, uh, I think, just uh, sucking it up and taking the doctor give me uh, pills for pain, for sleeping that. Yeah, you know, the story goes, you get addicted to some of that stuff, and in uh, the street you can get it all, all the time. So it wasn't only booze now, but I went to the pills, and then pretty soon it was marijuana and cocaine, and pretty soon it's like you're selling it to, so you get yours for free, and then, you know, be, believe in all those lies of the devil that, you know, that's what you do, you know, it's all right, everybody does it, you know, but that's not true, it's uh, the idea that I was falling for a lie, and ended up uh, getting very bad shape to the point that I was carrying a gun, uh, a big machete in the back of my car, and I even yeah. chased some guys off a couple times, and it came in handy because I think they were out to rob me, and uh, they got dis- disappointed, discouraged real quick when I pulled out the machete, especially from the back seat. But in any, uh, any case, uh, I got to the point over the years, to, especially when I got into the heavy stuff like the cocaine and all that, but, uh, and selling and all this, that uh, I was very dangerous because I got into fights and bars uh, overseas and airplane. I got to tell some of the stories in my book and everything. I don't tell all of them, but it's all about some of them. Anyway, just have to know, let the reader know or the fan know that, uh, man, if you believe those lies of the devil, you'll end up uh, dying somewhere. You know, get killed or hurt somebody real bad. And I, I know there's got to be hundreds of times, not thousands of times, I ended up getting home, getting up the next day, and I drove the car and I, I couldn't remember driving home. So, and situations, uh, you know, that there were, uh, I mean, I don't even consider myself a tough guy or a great fighter and like that. I guess average or whatever, but whenever you get in fights in airplanes and bars and overseas and that, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of tough guys out there. It's a wonder I didn't get my head knocked off. But, uh, ended up, I was racist, but I had some work for doing. I realize it more and more today. And what I'm doing because uh, that one day uh, after I quit the WCW in '89, I went to the independent circuit and wrestling to you know a small show. Did that for up until two years ago, and uh, ended up uh, I still make appearances, but uh, just ended up uh, 
having a battle within myself to get off the drugs, the alcohol, chewing tobacco, and all this stuff. I wanted to clean up my life because I was to the point, a lot of injuries, and going to my late 40s, you know, 50s, and uh, early 50s. It was uh thing that the Kita knew about, my nephew, and I didn't realize that he had become a Christian himself, but uh, he called me one day and he says, Uncle Ivan, you know, we're visiting him. Phone, he says, uh, I know what you need in your life. And I said, What are you talking about, Nicky? He says, uh, You need Jesus in your life. And I said, I was raised in church. My mom and dad made me go to church every week. He says, Well, the devil knows who Jesus is too, but that doesn't make him a Christian. You got to ask him mm-hmm. to come into your heart, into your life, forgive you of your sins, and live for him. Like, you know, like to uh, change and let, allow him to work in you to change you. And, uh, well, that made sense to me. I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll come to the church. Said, you want me to go to a revival next next night, matter of fact, Sunday night, in Minneapolis, and I ended up uh, taking him up on and going there, kept my word, and uh, ended up, uh, what the preacher had to say made sense to me, and uh, ended up coming up front, receiving the Lord as my, receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I ended up, uh, after that, being a little confused, but yet uh, understood what I was supposed to do, get into the Word. The Word ends up pushing out all the garbage out of my, uh, you know, body, out of my, you know, life, and uh, putting in God's Word. And uh, what it does is give you the faith enough to be able to uh, do the stuff. God leads you along, and uh, you walk, and then it was like thrown away the chewing tobacco. Uh, didn't have to drink no more, no more marijuana, no more, and... Uh, I couldn't afford the cocaine anymore, and I wasn't definitely not selling it anymore. So uh, it was the type of thing that, uh, man, my life was cleaning up. And he's still working on me, of course, but uh, as far as anything like that, I only take what the doctors uh, prescribed for me, and I'm real cautious about that even because I had a car accident uh, here seven, eight years ago, which totaled the car, and uh, it uh, was really weird because... Uh, uh, I figured when I seen it coming, uh, I was going to die. And I called out to Jesus. That's the only chance I had to say anything was just Jesus. And that was enough because he kept me alive. Uh, broke six ribs in my sternum. had ruptured uh, some discs in my back. To this day, I've never gotten the surgery on my back. I had a couple arthroscopic surgeries to my knee and one shoulder. Operated on 30, 40 years ago, but... Uh, and I need operations, I know that, but you get to a certain point, the people tell you that, uh, give you advice, and they say, wait till you get as old as you can before you have those, because, uh, you know, they're not always uh, do the right thing for you, the, the operations. So here I am, 72 now, and <laughs> I haven't had all these operations, and but uh, obviously I'm doing the right thing because God keeps me going and I have a chance now and a change of life, uh, uh, have a good wife that uh, loves the Lord and uh, grandbaby. My youngest daughter is a gospel singer. Uh, yeah, if uh, people want to go out to her site and check her out, the highwayrevival.com is the uh, name of her group. My son-in-law, Philip uh, Marley, and uh, man, Rachel, uh, they're, they're great. And the, their kids, uh, uh, Kara, she's 12 years old, mm-hmm. Alyssa, uh, eight years old, man, they're great singers too and they sing along with them in church and uh, man, they're just a great example of uh, living life right, Uh, God does bless you and uh, it's turned my life around altogether, not only having a good wife to 
encouraged me and uh, walked, you know, light of the Lord. But the idea of the things is put in front of me. I got ordained here eight, nine years ago and officiate weddings there now and speak at churches and tell them about my life and the idea of the goodness of the Lord and uh, what he can do for them yeah. if uh, they'll allow them to do it. And, man, it's just uh, such a thrill. We do a thing now where uh, it was a concept of a million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He's a Christian, staying in mm-hmm. Akita, Lex Luger, a bunch of the guys that became Christians, Greg the Hammer, Rock and Roll. Anyway, uh, what we do is we go out now, something like the Power Team, if you people out there know where the Power Team is, they end up Christian group, uh, big, strong guys that go bend bars and break ice and, you know, show off their strength. We end up going in and uh, having wrestling matches at these different shows, uh, churches, sponsor type of thing, and we end up, uh, people come to the matches to watch wrestling, and uh, after we give them a couple of short uh, testimonies of some of mm-hmm. these legends of the, myself or some of these other guys, and the people, of course, are taking uh, interest in it to understand where, it's, where we're going, <coughs> where, what's going on, and uh, we end up uh, we give them a little sermon why the importance of having Christ in your life, what Jesus did, the uh, Son of God uh, went and paid the price for us by dying on the cross, and so now we have a chance to be able to uh, live our life with the uh, supernatural power of Almighty God because uh, Jesus won the victory. And man, uh, if you were to tell me that years ago, doing my drugs and alcohol and all that, I'd probably spoof at it, you know, wouldn't believe it, but. Uh, I live it. I'm a living example of uh, what uh, God can do, and still, like I say, still working on it. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Uh, and uh, He answers prayers. It seems like every day that different things happen. That man, I'm amazed by. It. But uh, just the idea of being able to walk down, sincerely coming from my heart, just encouraging you young people, kids, and even older adults. You know, just praying with them and just telling them, you know, that there's somebody, that there's something. That God loves them. That, 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 He's got a reason for him to be here, and, and what we have to do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and come into his family. And, and really, it's such a joy for me to do that, that, uh, uh, you know, when I'm signing autographs, uh, they encourage a kid, man, I, I believe you're going to be successful one day. You're going to be famous one day. I'm going to see you on television. What do you like to play? Uh, football? Basketball? And, and uh I said, no, I want to be a movie actor. So I said, that, that's what I thought, you know. It's just the idea that uh, you encourage them. They go with big smiles come on their faces. And, you know, that's it for us kids. We all want to be able to dream. And uh, by somebody that they look up to ends up telling them there's somebody and that uh, Jesus is important to have in their life and they're bound to listen. So it's, uh, it's a, a great yeah. life to wear. Compare it to the past, it's no comparison. <laughs> That's good. And we, you know, we're we're glad that, um, you know, the Lord has blessed you in your life and turned your life around. That you've been able to be influenced and be able to help out, um, you know, people of all ages, the kids, and and it's a blessing to see that some of the boys that uh, are in the business to, you know, staying to DBIC and Nikita Koloff, some others that you're able to work with your peers now to be able to send out, um, you know, the same message to people. Um, real quick. I want you to talk about your documentary. Um, my good buddy, Michael Elliott, I know he's done a lot of great documentaries before, and I know you have um, did some work with him about your upcoming documentary. If you can, 
Um, talk real quick about the documentary about your career. Yeah, I'm excited about the documentary coming out. Uh, yeah, he ended up uh, approaching me, Michael, about doing it, and he had done one for rock and roll, uh, uh, the documentary with them and uh, about their life, and uh, I said, yeah, definitely, that'd be great, yeah. And uh, he was sincere about it, and he said to send me an email the other day, it should be done with it about the beginning of the year, and should be out there in the market, you know, and I'd encourage people to end up uh, getting it because I think they'd be touched with the idea of the different uh, guys that's on there talking about me or uh, talking for me or whatever it may be. Uh, maybe some of them even knock me. I haven't seen it yet at <laughs> the end of crowding, but it doesn't matter. The truth uh, sometimes hurts, but it's, it's important. And uh, I, I really think that uh, the things like this right there now at this point in my life uh, to have, uh, you know, the chance to be able to have people get to really know uh, how God could work to take somebody that, even though it was wrestling and it's, uh, you know, a control thing now nowadays more so than ever, uh, more like show business and that. But back in, in the day, it was, I mean, they're serious today. I, I marvel at what these young guys and uh, their athleticism and also uh, their uh, shape they're in and all what stuff they go over the top rope to barriers and hit their heads over uh, and coming off the top rope. I mean, just crazy stuff. And just to see them to be able to do that to me is is great. But back in our time, it was uh, some solid stuff going on. I remember locking up the first time with some guys like uh, Vern Gagne, and that uh, was Olympic type of wrestler, AAU champ. And he all haul off, and the first thing he did is slap me in the ear and bust my eardrum. And it, wow! <laughs> if you, if you th- never felt pain, you should sure feel pain then, and uh, just like loss of balance and everything. And uh, uh, I said to myself, I heard this guy was a tough guy, but he's going to find out if I got anything in me <laughs> tonight because I uh, 300 pounds and bench pressing and working on the weight the way I was. It was pretty good shape, so. I just started kicking and punching him as hard as I could. And uh, the message that came back to the dressing room after the match was, that's the way I like it, kid. Lay him in there. <laughs> I said to myself, what What have I got myself into? I'm into wrestling, and the guy that's a champion is busting my eardrum and telling me to lay him in. <laughs> and I found that out to be the old guys. Who are all, a lot of them are like that. Luthez, uh, guys like Eddie Graham, and uh, one of the toughest guys ever, Danny Hodge. But, uh, I mean, they didn't have to because most of them were great wrestlers, but they, they did it because uh, I think to really make uh, the reality of wrestling convincing to the people out there. And uh, and they sure did it with me, I know that, because uh, when you get your eardrums busted or dislocated shoulder, torn ligaments and ribs and ankles broke, like uh, I'm sitting here right today, and I'm not even a tough guy. I figured, man, what these tough guys, how they can live through all that. But, yeah, it's just great to be at a point there now, and I'd really encourage it for anybody just to, you know, consider that no matter what shape they're in, what condition they're in at the time, whether it's drugs, alcohol, the idea that they had a bad upbringing, a drunken father, mother, or whatever, drugs or whatever, uh, realize that you could overcome it. You just ask the Lord to come into your life and, and help you, help you do it. He'll do it too. But to me, it's a thing. Actually, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. 
No, I was just going to say, I was going to bring in, um, real quick, I know we showed him one time to bring in uh, George. I'm sorry, in the C game boy um, for the last question. <laughs> Well, my last my last question to you is this: We've talked about the past, and when we, we talked about, of course, your documentary and your book and everything. My, my my latest question to you is now the present. Um, in the wrestling world, there's been a lot of uh, backlash with the big names, TNA gaining a new television deal, WWE with the the network and losing subscribers and everything. Um. Vince McMahon publicly saying how his sports entertainment, he, you know, his father did pro wrestling. He really is not a fan of wrestling. And um, a lot of these indie promotions, which is a lot where you visit at and, and you know, meet, get a chance to meet the fans, the young ones, and, and, and do yeah. signings and autographs and stuff, of course, is, is booming. Um, my question to you is, is that what advice can you give to those young kids who's listening? Uh, the young kids who's in the indie business and stuff, and who's listening to these uh, these these businesses, pretty much say, you know, it's not about wrestling no more; it's about sports entertainment and everything. What advice do you think you can give them uh, of clarity so they can move well, forward I, with their career? Yeah, I, I really think to become so successful in it today, that uh, I would always advise the idea of uh, get your education too. So keep that in mind as a, the number one uh, priority before even uh, the wrestling school, I'd say. Uh, have that in the works for the college and so that you got something to fall back on. And if nothing else, uh, uh, education helps you to negotiate contracts uh, to be up on it because you got to do interviews and negotiate uh, with these uh, promoters. And uh, Who knows where it's going to go in the future, but definitely uh, get your education, uh, I would say stay away from the drugs and the alcohol because that's just going to end up hurting not only your life but your career. It's going to end up ruining it because it's just a tool of the devil. That's all it is. And if you're going to do it, do it seriously and end up uh, being successful at it by staying away from that stuff and getting an education. If something didn't happen down the road that you weren't able to continue wrestling, you'd fall back on your education and something else. But, uh, yeah, just go out there and... Uh, a guy feels like he wants to be a wrestler and he sees what they're doing today with wrestling, whether it's on the independent circuit or what. Uh, I mean, if you want to end up making money with it, of course you've got to realize uh, you got to do the, what Vince is doing and stuff like that. That's where the big money is. Big money compared to what I made over my career. If we had a $200,000 a year, uh, you know, even if you were a champion over the years, uh, that was a lot of money. You know, and it was a lot of money for, you know, but today compared to some of these guys that's making uh, millions, you know, it's not. Because now they're reaching out to more people because of pay-per-views, uh, there's royalties as far as uh, all the merchandise. Uh, there's the idea of becoming like a, a, a The Rock or something like that, movies or whatever. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. So I, I would say keep your head uh, on the level and don't get goofy with it or taking drugs and all that. Just uh, take it one day at a time, get a, get into a good gym, work out, and build your body up, get the education. Then the time comes, uh, go to a, a good wrestling school, something that uh, maybe has got the door, that can open the door for you to, to go to the WWE or something. And most of them are uh, good. 
and it's the idea that you end up uh, when the time comes you're going to end up going to their school anyway to, for them to take a look at you and it might, might cost you a few grand there but if you've got some potential it'll, you'll get it back pretty quick but it ends up uh, I think that's the best advice I could give the kids today is just you're going to be serious about it but it's not if you're just going to play with it on the independent circuit uh, take care of yourself you know like, uh, don't get all my stuff with the drugs and alcohol and that and uh Enjoy it, have fun with it, and who knows, maybe uh, even though you're not serious at this time, uh, you might have something that uh, is going to turn around to be a real success uh, with Finch and maybe whoever's up there with the big organization when the day comes, you know. <clears throat> and real quick, um, Mr. Ivan Kula, before we let you go, we're going to let our correspondent ask you um, one last question. <clears throat> yes, sir. All right, Mr. Koloff, um yes. You have worked in the uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation under Vince Sr. My question to you is, uh, you worked under Vince Sr. I don't know if you uh, worked under Vince uh, Jr. or should I say Vince Kennedy McMahon, but what is your analysis between the two under uh, Vince Sr. the way he went about business and uh, Vince Jr. as the way he went about business as far as wrestling was concerned? Uh, yes, for the, first of all, uh, uh, both of them I, I really like because they're all business. They're uh, good businessmen. They're related good to their, their wrestlers. The senior, I always had a smile. I always had a handshake for even the preliminary guy. Uh, and uh, Junior, for the time I went there in 69, he was a commentator. Yeah, I think he had just come into it uh, with his dad. And he was always there. He was always instrumental in the promotion, learning it but also input also. And I know he wanted to go that other direction like he is today with uh, more Hollywood stuff and that, but he's proven himself to be right. You know, he's taken it from a million-dollar business to a billion-dollar business, but uh, uh, I think that uh, I think that the big difference is uh, the idea of the money, uh, the people it reaches. It's worldwide now, and that... That a person uh, evaluating who's better, who's worse, uh, it's hard to do because uh, I think Junior was very instrumental when his dad was part of it as far as the promotion. Because when you've got a commentator that's good like that, not only to help in the interviews, the interviews being so important to drawing uh, the, the people in, uh, Junior was uh, the greatest at that because he knew, he got so experienced that he knew how to accentuate the guys, you know, with, uh, with their gimmick or whatever their persona is, to be able to be the greatest uh, in the, their area. And uh, to me, that was, that was a big help. Uh, I actually worked with both of them in the sense that Junior was always there. He was part of it. When I came back in the 80s from the Middle East after wrestling uh, Bob Backlund and went over there to the Middle East and wrestled that's the time I got a little too much in the, the plane trip and ended up uh, fighting with one of the other wrestlers anyway. It's another story, but it's in the book anyway. But uh, I ended up uh, uh, realizing that um, when I was there and I came back from uh, the Middle East, uh, Junior was the one that asked me about if I would stay longer in New York. And at that time, I blew out a knee and uh, easy to go back and 
had it scoped out twice before, but it was locking up on me, and I felt I, I could just go and get that taken care of, and a few weeks just to heal up, I could come back, you know, but uh, I guess he wanted something right then. I didn't know it at the time, but I found out later that it was very important <laughs> that I should have stayed, but uh, I wasn't told why at the time, just that he asked me to stay longer. But he was always part of it. Like, you know, if we went over uh, talking about stuff, business, he was always there at the dinners. And uh, his input was uh, very valuable, I think. And his dad, I think, really appreciated his interest in the business and uh, helping him in the promotion. I think that's, they worked together real good and ended up uh, making it uh, what it is today. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you can't really say well, which one's better. They're great, uh, both of them. Had, and Vince has still proven himself to be, you know, uh, on top of the, top of everything. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's great what they're doing today. Well, Mr. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Ivan Koloff has been been a pleasure and an honor, definitely, to have you on the show. Um, <clears throat> we do ask that you know we would see we can have you back on um, very soon, so we can go over more about your career if that's fine. Well, I appreciate it. If I could just mention, uh, people can sure. go to my site, IvanKoloff.com. Yeah. And, uh, you know, i got a couple of Facebooks. Most people are aware of it on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, my site, uh, I have uh, the ministry that I talk about, uh, going out and trying to encourage kids and all this stuff, uh, uh, besides uh, uh, appreciate weddings. But... If anybody wanted to go to my website, I and uh help with uh, my expenses as far as uh, ministry is concerned. That would be appreciated. We could do it through PayPal or whatever uh, directly to uh, my address on there. And uh, uh, it's uh, Bear Witness for Christ Ministries. Being the bear, right? <laughs> have to get that in there. Bear Witness for Christ Ministry. And uh, we just... Uh, it would really be appreciated, and uh, it, it's a big help towards. I've been doing autographs for Children's Miracle and such uh, for 22 years now, and uh, part of my cleaning up process. And uh, I'm so appreciative for organizations like that because uh, it helped not only my grandbabies but a lot of kids, a lot of people, from incubators to the idea of operations and such. So it's hard not to have the feeling for them and to try to help back, but. Uh, People would like to do that. My book is, uh, like I say, on crowbarpress.com with the author, Scott Teal. He'd be glad to send you one and take care of that part of it. I keep running out of them. I sends me a box every once in a while, and I bring them out there, but uh, they, they go pretty fast. So, And I think they make a good gift idea. But uh, And if anybody in this area, North Carolina, South Carolina area, like me to officiate a wedding or renew their vows or whatever I'd be glad to do that or come to speak at their churches and that's the same with my daughter and the highwayrevival.com they're available they're out there every Sunday Saturday whatever it takes singing up the road so they they can lay it out there and you know, check their site out to realize how good they are and I appreciate you guys even having me on today just to be able to say hello to the fans and all no those problem. years me being yeah, the bad guy an honor. Them hating me, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> no problem, sir. Thank you for your time. Um, and tell your family we uh, send out some best wishes, and we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, it's a very yeah. merry Christmas. Happy New Year to everybody. Hey, merry Christmas. God bless you. You, you too. Happy New Year. You do the Thank same. You. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Everybody, that was the Russian Bear, the great legend of the business, Ivan Koloff. Real quick, this is when I'm going to bring in uh, correspondent Shimblade. If I'm correct, Ivan Koloff isn't a part of the WWE Hall of Fame, is he? Uh, no, I don't think so, but I think he's well-deserved uh, despite a few others. Yes. Yes, I definitely, I definitely do agree um, with that. <clears throat> um, real quick, NFC Game Boy, your, your thoughts on uh, having uh, the Russian bear, Ivan Koloff? Well, you know, we've seen uh, Ivan Koloff a few times, and we finally got him on the show. It was good to him to give uh, insight about, you know, the book, you know, his book, which, you know, people please go grab it, the documentary, and, um, you know, about the pitfalls in the business and the indies and, and on the uh, the professional level. You know, it's still there. So, you know, you got some good insight and some good advice to take with you, you know, fans out there who really want to take it seriously. You know, it's not a game. Definitely. Well, with that, um, also, um, you know, we have been to independent shows where, you know, we have our friends who are independent wrestlers and, you know, they're, uh, you know, bright and everything, you know, want to work. And then, you know, you have some people that just there so they can get paid and heavy medicate themselves. I mean, we, we talk about it. Many people talk about this so many times where you see people backstage and it's like lights on, nobody's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I would say, um, no, big ups. First of all, <clears throat> want to give big ups to Michael Elliott. Um, he is the producer and owner of uh, Elbow Productions. Have a lot of great documentaries. Please check them out. Uh, the NWA documentary he did, the documentary on the Rock and Roll Express. He's uh, currently working on uh, Nikita Cole. Um, I'm saying Nikita Koloff, I'm sorry. Currently working on Ivan Koloff's documentary, which will be coming out um, next year. He's currently working on another documentary of a wrestling legend, which I can't mention uh, right now. I can't mention publicly, but I do know who it is. So there's a lot of good things um, coming up, and definitely can't wait to more things. So we thank Michael Elliott for that, for doing great documentaries. He's also been... Uh, his work has been um, praised and been helped out by Bill After and a bunch of other legends in the business. So thanks, Michael Elliott, for being a good friend personally and professionally. I'm a cool off good dude. Uh, like you say, he sounds nothing like <laughs> you remember him back in the day at all. Um, <laughs> and when uh, I know NFC Game Boy, I know you got to meet him briefly in uh, New Orleans, and um, I got a chance, we got a chance to talk to him off air. Then he realized it was him. So he, sound, he could have said he was anybody else and wouldn't have knew, <laughs> would have believed it. But uh, real quick, <clears throat> uh, first memories, when you think of Ivan Koloff, uh, NFC Game Boy, uh, Shemblee, what's your first immediate thought that comes to your mind? Well, go ahead, Shane. You can go first. Um, I think I think personally to me is between the uh, title win, which was very controversial back in the day, and actually – not to put a, rest, a current wrestler on blast, but this is before he shocked people with ending the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Ivan Koloff was the first to do that. He shocked fans to the point where they didn't even uh, tell people who was the new champion in the arena. They rushed him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Anderson Gamble, your thought, first thought? Well, 
the most of the thing I remember was like a lot of his matches. He was very, very uh, angry. He had this look where he was very believable. You know what I'm saying? And, and even nowadays, you know, with the, the ball head and stuff, you know, what I mean, he as as you can see, he's in the '70s, of course. But he's just a, a really, really tough guy back in the day, and his matches was was really insightful because. Like he hurt people, <laughs> you know, and that's the pro wrestling that you know we all you know kind of miss. Like, yeah, he hurt people. So, I mean, it was definitely that. That's what stood out to me the most. Um, hmm. like I said, all, all my <clears throat> all my memories of Ivan Koloff is NWA. Uh, I know, I know, he wrestled against Bruno, and I watched some. Old matches from the old WWF, but I was thinking the Russians and NWA with Nikita Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. Um, Barry Dorsey will end up being more famous for the younger fans of Repo Man or Demolition. Uh, I believe it was Demolition Smash. I believe so. Uh, Alvin was a good dude. Uh, funny, I did see a funny video where Alvin Koloff slapped Pat Patterson. It was on YouTube. <laughs> so I did my research and it was a lot of Ivan Koloff um, clips that I clear, clearly it's almost impossible to watch all the stuff he's done. If you ever get a chance, we'll try to post it. Is um, you get to watch the Rock and Roll Express versus, versus Ivan Koloff and Crusher Crusive, um, one of us to try to post it. it happened in 1989 in North Carolina. Um, great match, great match from back in the day. Back when tag team wrestling was great. So. Um, real quick, I know we're going to have uh, one of our good old buddies calling in. We'll have a plug. Uh, NFC Game Boy, going to bring him in live, and you can introduce. Uh, I'm waiting to get the call that they're calling in. So, um, There's real a, quick. I'm here. On the line, on the oh, line okay. Now. Oh. She's here. <laughs> All right. Hello, um, guys. Hello. Hey. Hello, sweetie. How you Hello. Doing? Thanks for letting me come on and do this plug. Um, my name is Janae Spencer. I am a local licensed agent in the state of Maryland. I'm serving the Baltimore metropolitan area, which includes Baltimore City, counties, Howard, Hartford, Carroll, and Arundel, even all the way down to Montgomery and Prince George's counties. <laughs> I'm out here trying to help people with their health care. I'm affiliated with a company that has many relationships with many carriers, and I'm able to take those relationships and shop around and customize and come up with a total health care package that addresses people's needs and their budget. And this whole entire health care package includes first your health care plan, i.e., United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, then your GAP coverages. These are coverages that pay out pay you money for those out-of-pocket expenses that your health care plan doesn't. And lastly, your life insurance. Um, when I sit down with you, I go through your um, application with you with the Maryland Health Connection and help see what, if you qualify for a government subsidy and if you do, how much. And then I put together some packages for you to choose from um, based off of our conversation about your needs. So if you need that help, everybody, please call or text me. My number is area code 410 Five eight eight nine eight five six. Again, four ten five eight eight nine eight five six. That's it, guys. Thanks. All right, no problem. No problem. Thank you, much. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good old long-term friend, good old sister, sister of m
we had a very busy weekend. Um, we have uh, five minutes left real quick. Uh, Shimbley, go ahead and give uh, the fans real quick information on uh, announcement for 1CW for their TV deal and about the UT page. Um, well, I was going to say that um, I was going to shout out 1CW because uh, we had an accident in the ring last weekend uh, involving a tag team match. And one of the biggest things that NFC Game Boy and I have really, really respected about the company was we had the announcer. I think it was Stevie that came out, and he got on the microphone for all the little kids. He had, he announced that, you know, don't try this at home, you know, which a lot of companies don't do or they'll just vaguely say it and by way of ads. So I have to give a shout-out for them. And also the next taping is on January 31st. Um, I will be making a special appearance on this taping uh, until otherwise, and um, I have a message that I will be displaying during that show. Okay. Okay. All right. Meanwhile, quick, uh, also, meanwhile, also, I forgot. Uh, please check out our YouTube page. We are. Uh, I'm. I'm usually adminning most of the time. So I uploaded some interviews. We have Casey Carlisle. We have uh, we have Lucha Underground superstar Ricky Reyes, who was the first one to sign with Lucha Underground. He's one of Dario Cuarto's uh, henchmen on the show. Uh, we met with him. He's a really cool guy. So please click the subscribe button. I have rehauled and made the page. Also, more videos coming, and also road trip videos off of my YouTube page, Shinblade. So check that out and uh, enjoy. Indeed. Um, <clears throat> real quick, like you said, uh, big up to you, 1CW, Steve Ray Styles, um, for letting us come on, being a part of the 1CW family. Uh, love y'all definitely much. Always a great blast. Uh, we shall be with y'all on January 31st. That show will feature uh, former uh, WWE, WCW talent, former member of the NWO and D-Generation X, X-Pac, uh, Sean Waltman, and other stars will be added. Big ups to you to Jimmy Dream and, of course, ACW General and Championship Wrestling held a very good show on Friday. We got a chance to be involved in the angle. I want to give big ups to you, uh, Prodigy, Jimmy Morris. Um, thank you, Under the Mass Security. Also, NFC Game Boy, I know he tends to take care of more of the security uh, endeavors, so thanks for that. Real quick, fans, don't forget, before we run out of town, next week we will be live, 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 same time. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. We will have Ari Spears, of course, former, <clears throat> will come back on the show. And we will also have current Ring of Honor superstar and former uh, NFL player Moose will be joining us from Ring of Honor. Uh, that being said, you need to tweet us. Tweet us on at tech underscore UTMR. Tweet NSC Game Boy at NSC Game Boy, spelled correctly. Follow our UT page under the Mats Radio. Email us at underthematradio at gmail.com. If you do get a chance tonight, please check out Shining Wizard, the show that is currently on air. Simultaneously, check them out later. With all that being said, fans, I love you much. We will talk to you next week. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Real quick, seconds. Thanks to Ivan Koloff. Yes, thanks to Ivan Much for calling in. Thanks for your head wrestling for Jackie Jones. Shimbley, go ahead. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Sensational One, S-H-I-N-S-A-T-I-O-N-A-L-O-N-E. Yes. Try to spell that correctly. <laughs> Talk to you later <laughs> next week. 
Talk to you then. Bye. Don't forget, baby. Amen. <laughs> Shalom. Easy, y'all. Shalom. What do you got? Who's so meat? Seven minutes. <laughs> Who's so meat? Ten seconds. Beef or reef? <laughs>